G'day, welcome to Partakers and to our series, Easter 2012. Today is Thursday. Heavenly Father, as we look into your written word, the Bible, may we now see your living word, Jesus Christ, for who he was, is, and always will be, our Saviour and Lord. And as we look at the events written in history of his last night, before being taken to die on a Roman cross, open our minds and our hearts to learn more about this momentous event in history, which is his story. We pray this in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, through the majestic name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 4 records this. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He entered, as was his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book, and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to deliver those who are crushed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fastened upon him. He began to tell them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All testified about him, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? From that time till his last night, during his three years of ministry, Jesus had done those things. Jesus had preached the good news of God's salvation to reconcile people back into a relationship with the Almighty God. And through the cross, coming up shortly, his mission will be fulfilled. The feasts of Passover, Pentecost and Tabernacles were the three most important feasts on the Jewish calendar. All Jewish men were expected to visit Jerusalem. The Passover feast was to commemorate the deliverance of Israel from Egypt, and it was a time for remembering and rejoicing, according to Exodus 11 and 12. Of all the events that took place that night, we have only time to look at three of them. Jesus' plans, Jesus' preparation, and Jesus' serves. So firstly, his plans. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve, and Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard 
and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Jews were expected to remove all yeast from their houses as a reminder that their ancestors left Egypt in a hurry and had to eat bread without yeast. Jesus had warned his disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, in Luke 12, verse 1. In other words, the religious leaders had cleansed their houses, but not their own hearts. And the last thing the religious leaders wanted was a messianic uprising during Passover. Judas was motivated and energized by Satan, John 13, verse 2 and 27. And he was never a true believer because his sins had never been cleansed by the Lord. John 13, verse 10 to 11. Therefore, a big therefore, Judas had never believed or received eternal life, according to John 6, verse 64 to 71. However, Jesus had been given authority and had been preaching the same message. This proves just how close a person can come to the kingdom of God so close to being a follower of Jesus, and yet still be lost. And then Jesus prepares his preparations. The disciples needed a room within Jerusalem itself, and they also required food, a lamb, bread, bitter herbs and wine. The Passover meal contains historical and theological symbolism regarding the death of Jesus Christ. That is why this meal is the model for the central act of Christian worship, which is Holy Communion. Here is an outline of a Passover meal at the time of Jesus, starting with opening prayer, then a first cup of wine and a dish of herbs and sauce. Then the story of the Passover is recited, and Psalm 113 sung, then a second cup of wine, followed by a prayer of grace, then a main course of roast lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, followed by a further prayer and a third cup of wine. And then Psalms 114 to 118 were sung, and that was followed up by a fourth cup of wine. And depending on your church, the Last Supper can be called, amongst other things, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. Christian disciples are commanded to participate, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Do this in remembrance of me. Some churches do it every service, and others do it monthly or weekly. Whenever we participate in it, we do it regularly as a remembrance of Jesus until he comes again. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. The bread symbolizes his body broken on the cross. And the wine symbolizes his blood which was shed on the cross. Therefore, before we partake of the bread and the wine, we are to examine ourselves and confess any unforgiven sin. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 28 to 29. This is done because it would be hypocritical to eat it while harboring known sin in our hearts and having fellowship with Jesus and others in the church. This Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, 
the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, what is its significance for us? Firstly, it symbolizes fellowship with other believers in the universal church, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17. We received the benefits of his once and for all sacrifice, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16. We spiritually feed upon him, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 24. It symbolizes the death of Christ for our sin, Luke 22 verse 19. It symbolizes our acceptance of his death for us and our dependence upon him for life, spiritual life. And finally, when a person remembers, that makes it their own personal story. If something is only recalled as an historical event, then that is somebody else's story being recalled. That is why Holy Communion is personal. It's our story. It's your story. It's my story. All these symbolize the new covenant made between God and Jesus' disciples. A covenant guaranteeing salvation. The new covenant is a new meal in order to remind his followers in every age and of all time about the work of Jesus on the cross. The new covenant, Luke 22 verse 20, Jesus claimed that his death was spoken about by the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It was a new covenant in which God's people will be able to know him intimately for their sins will be forgiven. Whenever a covenant was made between God and man in the Old Testament, blood was always shed as a seal of the promise. Jesus' blood is the seal on this new covenant, which is why we remember it. Two other main views insist that it is more than just symbolic. Firstly, there is what is called transubstantiation, a long word, and that basically, that belief is that the bread and wine actually become the blood, blood and body of Jesus Christ. And secondly, there is another long word, consubstantiation, and that says, that believes that the body and blood of Christ are present in the communion meal. However, both of these views would indicate that Jesus Christ is being re-sacrificed. And Hebrews chapter 7 refutes these ideas, in particularly Hebrews 7 verse 27, which talks about Jesus' death on the cross, for he did this once for all when he offered up himself. The bread we eat and the wine we drink at Holy Communion are only symbolic, can only be symbolic of his sacrifice, and they can never be a total reenactment. So, Jesus' plans, Jesus' preparations, and now Jesus serves. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. As part of the custom of the day, a servant or slave usually undertook foot washing of all guests. And since none of the disciples had done this, Jesus himself undertakes the task in John 13. 
Peter is recalcitrant, stubborn, and resistant as always, loudly objects. Peter learns that only those cleansed by Jesus and trusting in him fully can be a part of the new kingdom of God. And as we look back at this episode, knowing what we do now of the cross, we learn how this simple act of washing feet is also symbolic of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. The cross and the act of washing feet are both displays of great love and service. Just as Peter opposed Jesus going to the cross in Matthew chapter 16, so he also objected to having his feet washed here. Jesus getting up to serve symbolizes his coming to serve. As he took off his cloak, this symbolizes the taking off of his glory when he became man. Girding himself with a towel symbolizes his taking on human flesh in the incarnation. And as the water cleansed the feet, so Jesus' death and blood cleanses from sin. As he returned to where he was sitting and sat down after finishing this act of service, Jesus returned to the right hand of God after his work on the cross. When people become Christian, when you became Christian, their sins are forgiven through Jesus' death on the cross. That is when they had their bath, as it were. That is the very point when we, if we are Christians, were justified before God and we are declared his child. And having been justified already, we don't need a bath anymore. But we do need the equivalent of a feet washing daily and or every time we take Holy Communion and a cleansing of our sin when we confess it before our God and repent. So Jesus' plans, Jesus' preparations, and Jesus serves. Let's now compare and contrast the plans of Jesus' enemies with those of Jesus himself. His enemies plot to kill Jesus, whereas we see Jesus being in control. His enemies arrange for Judas to betray Jesus, and Satan's purpose is to destroy Jesus. Jesus plans the Passover meal. The meal is part of his plan. He knows Judas's plan. And Judas, and Jesus rather, replaces the old leaders of God with his own men. So his enemies are ousted and his followers, his friends, are now the new leaders of God. All the elements in the plot conspiring against Jesus had been allowed for. The death of Jesus was no accident. Peter, writing later on in life, in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 to 21, says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. After his final prayers in Gethsemane, after Jesus' last prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, Jesus' friend, fulfills his betrayal of Jesus with a kiss in order to identify him, and Jesus is then arrested. Jesus is carried away to be rejected by those closest to him, to face trial, be whipped and crucified. Thank you.